Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. In one of his last official acts before vacating the office he held since spring of 2020, Defense Minister Benny Gantz went out of his way to praise Egypt as Israel's peaceful neighbor and strategic partner. Gantz reacted furiously to a statement by a junior but crucial member of Benjamin Netanyahu's emerging coalition who insisted Egypt is an enemy of the Jewish state. What are the true dimensions of the Israeli-Egyptian relations and should Cairo be concerned as it watches the Jerusalem political drama unfold? To discuss it, we're joined from central Israel by Colonel in Reserve Ruven Ben Shalom, who is a TV7 Powers and Play panelist, cross-cultural strategist and associate at the ICT at Reichman University. Thank you for joining us, Colonel. Thank you. Also joining us from the Jerusalem area is Dr. Ophir Winter, who is a senior researcher at the Institute for National Security Studies at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Thank you very much. And with me in here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers and Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Uh, Amir, I'd, I'd like to ask you to give us a broader understanding of the current composition of this dynamic relationship between Israel and Egypt. Well, in the Middle East, words carry a lot of weight. And even uh, press reports, let alone when politicians and future ministers, or in this case, deputy ministers, speak, uh, there are repercussions. Um, every time there are magazine articles or television uh, stories about uh, massacres in Israel's uh, history, for instance, when uh, Egyptian... Uh, prisoners of war uh, were killed by uh, their Israeli captors. There is a diplomatic problem between the governments, even though it deals with ancient history um, in, in current terms. So this time around, um, a junior uh, politician, but nevertheless uh, someone uh, future uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu probably needs for his coalition, remarked that a memorial uh, to Egyptian commando fighters who were sent to Jordan in order to fight in the 67 war and were then killed in fighting, that it is not appropriate for Israel to set up this memorial for enemies, even though Israel and Egypt for the last 40 years uh, have peaceful relations. Apparently, Defense Minister Gantz understood that this could cause a storm in Egyptian public opinion. And we know that uh, uh, beside the uh, uh, very, very good relationship between these governments, which we, we will go about, there is still some cold peace between the peoples. And uh, therefore, Gantz made sure that uh, he came out with a statement regarding the um, relationship between the governments and especially under President Sisi, who is doing a lot for regional security and for the relationship between Egypt and Israel. Indeed, one of the uh, significant contributions, if I may, uh, to the uh, uh, 
uh, Egyptian role in Israel is also specifically, and we need to say that the Gaza Strip, uh, uh, Egypt has a lot of sway over the Islamist Hamas organization and anything that happens uh, in the Palestinian enclave because, of course, uh, of the fact that it also borders uh, this uh, territorial enclave and also has uh, uh, its own interest to maintain uh, stability in that region, considering uh, the fact that it is uh, adjacent to a, quite the lawless area uh, with uh, multiple uh, uh, organizations that uh, aspire to destabilize Cairo, Cairo proper. Uh, and I'd like to start with you, Dr. Winter, if I may. Uh, to what uh, degree would you regard the Cairo-Jerusalem relationship as one that holds uh, in the long run? Yeah, we're almost celebrating uh, 44 years to the peace relations between uh, Israel and Egypt. And this is a very stable uh, peace, though, as you mentioned before, uh, it's still coined a cold peace. But the relations are very good, very close uh, in the formal level, very good security cooperation, uh, especially during Sisi term against uh, mutual uh, threats of terrorism in the Sinai uh, Peninsula. Uh, Israel and Egypt, uh, of course, most of it is under the table. We, did, we don't hear about a lot about it, but there is a lot of trust between the military establishments in both sides and very good uh, dialogue between uh, the leaders, the prime ministers and uh, President uh, Sisi. And uh, more than that, we have also very good relations, economic relations, especially in the field of energy. And I speak about uh, the long-term uh, deal of uh, in, uh, exporting Israeli gas uh, to uh, Egypt. It started in 2020. It's a deal for uh, uh, 10 years, uh, 15 billion dollars. It's very significant for both countries and also for Egypt's uh, aspirations to become an energy hub for its uh, neighbors. Indeed, and uh, not only that, of course, on top of that, uh, there is a trilateral MOU that was signed between the European Union, Egypt, and Israel, uh, where Israel transfers gas to Egypt and from Egypt, then uh, it is uh, uh, transformed into LNG, uh, the liquid uh, natural gas, and then shipped into the European Union. So there, there are also foreign interests into this relationship uh, functioning. And Colonel uh, uh, Benchalon, I'd like to ask your perspective to this, because Egypt was one of the most vigorous enemies of the Jewish state uh, years ago, of course, almost 44 years since we uh, uh, did establish uh, peaceful relations uh, with Israel's Western neighbor. But uh, it seems as both Dr. Winter and Mr. Owen has, uh, have mentioned, uh, the publics do not necessarily know each other. Uh, as a cross-cultural strategist, uh, what is the key challenge uh, to the, the cold relations between the two peoples, uh, even though they're so significant, strategically uh, integrated, also vis-a-vis -vis the United States, for instance. I think this is the, probably the most interesting part of all of this because there is great animosity in the Egyptian street. You see uh, the, the professional unions in Egypt, by the way, I learned a lot from this by reading Dr. what Dr. Winter, Winter writes. And uh, to see the undercurrents in Egypt, one would think that we could transcend this and knowing all the interests and after decades of peace, you know, what's the problem between the peoples? 
Uh, we even see that sometimes, looking in the past, like the Oslo Agreement with the Palestinians, I almost feel like the Palestinians could have flipped overnight as far as their perspective to Israel, but not the Egyptians, like there's something ingrained there that won't go away. But this has to do, you know, with the Egyptian society, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, some deep sentiments and, and fear, at least the way the narratives that they portrayed, as if Israel, uh, you know, is out to threaten their way of life and overtake them and things like that. Um, I think this is something that will take time. Since we already said that there's so many economic interests and security interests, the Gaza Strip and energy and water desalination, and there's so much to gain, which is why we're doing all this work. I think eventually, and I hope that processes like this will also change the hearts and minds. On the military side, I mean, when I see engagements, the very few engagements I had with the Egyptian officers, of course, it's warm, it's, it's, it's brotherhood, okay? Understanding that we're neighbors, uh, seeing eye to eye, even the issue that we just discussed now, we can get into that later, about this memorial site, it has to do with respect and with honor because we are no longer enemies. Mr. Roland? Well, uh, when uh, the uh, State of Israel was set up in 1948, and uh, obviously before that, um, Jews in Palestine, in British mandatory Palestine, uh, roamed freely around uh, the area. The feeling was that the Egyptians are a bit different than other, from other uh, Arabs. They are not as Arabic, uh, even in their heritage, as uh, Syrians, Jordanians, Iraqis, and the like. And in their national character, they were more patient. Um, they, they did not uh, look at Israelis so vehemently and uh, so vindictively. This may have changed because Israel and Egypt fought four or five wars, and there are hard feelings, uh, families of those of the fallen. And if you look at the change, in the mid-1950s, Israel wanted and acted to depose Gamal Abdel Nasser, the Egyptian president who would, who would be the leader of the entire Arab world and wanted to destroy Israel. Fast forward 30 years later, Israel, uh, of course, um, is very sorry when Sadat is assassinated, and Israel warns Hosni Mubarak when there are plots against him. And right now, Israel has such a stake in the longevity of the Sisi regime that President Sisi knows that if Israeli intelligence gets word of a plot against him, he will be told uh, about it. Uh, because um, one of Israel's closest confidants in the Egyptian government is Intelligence Minister Abbas Kamel, um, and um, there is cooperation and collaboration between Israeli military intelligence, Shabak, Mossad, and the Egyptian Muhabarat because of what was mentioned earlier, the mutual threats, the common enemies. Indeed, and the first time, of course, uh, just recently, in, in recent years, for, to be exact, uh, that uh, the the intelligence cooperation, not only with Egypt, but the tri uh, triangle of Egypt, Israel, and Jordan was highlighted by, of course, uh, uh, at, the, at the time, Deputy Chief of General Staff uh, Yair Golan, who, of course, uh, uh, you just uh, interviewed, and uh, it was a fascinating uh, 
encourage our, our viewers at home and, and to by watch, the, and watch by the way, talk. By the way, uh, when Egypt looks at its strategic uh, horizon, it borders Libya, it borders Sudan, it borders Gaza, and the only safe border it has is with Israel. Indeed. Dr. Winter, I'd like to ask you, uh, during the, the first years of the Sisi government uh, in Cairo, uh, of course, under the Obama administration, it was somewhat alienated, and uh, uh, it was... Uh, uh, time and again rebuked for human rights uh, abuses and, and all kind of um, quite uh, uh, problematic terms uh, were used within the context of Middle Eastern culture, uh, hence bringing about the famous statement by Sameh Shukri, the foreign minister uh, in Egypt who was serving also back then, who said that they're going to put the eggs in different baskets, uh, diverted uh, subsequently also attention more to relations with Moscow, with Beijing, uh, among others, uh, and uh, we could see that uh, under the Biden administration, which is just, you know, pretty much the same actors within that administration that uh, uh, were dealing with Egypt also back then, uh, it seemed like they were more careful this time around. With Egypt, Israel was, of course, uh, uh, repeatedly trying to uh, bolster relations between uh, the two sides, and it seemed that the Egyptian involvement uh, during uh, the last operation in Gaza has uh, raised Egypt's status in Washington to a, a new high. Uh, is that something that is regarded in Egypt as uh, somewhat of a strategic foundation to relations with the Jewish state at this point? Definitely, uh, you are totally right. By the way, the first phone call that uh, Sisi got from uh, President Biden was uh, following his uh, mediation between uh, Israel and Hamas uh, back into uh, 2021. So indeed, uh, I think uh, for Egypt, this is one of its uh, strategic uh, uh, maybe roles in the Middle East to mediate between uh, Israel and uh, Hamas. Uh, it brings stability to the region. Uh, it uh, makes uh, more uh, security, uh, fighting terrorism, and also uh, enabling uh, Hamas and Israel to uh, finish their uh, conflicts uh, more quickly and preserve uh, the ceasefire. So for Egypt, this is one of, uh, it's, it's a way to position itself better uh, in Washington. Definitely, you are right that uh, following uh, the Arab Spring, there was a lot of criticism in Egypt against the Obama administration for supporting uh, allegedly the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, but yet, I think that uh, the United States is still the most important uh, ally of uh, Egypt when it needs some financial support by uh, the uh, IMF or other uh, uh, funds. Of course, there are, there is an annual aid, uh, American aid to Egypt. Uh, that uh, is very important for its uh, economic uh, and uh, military uh, functioning. So it's very important for Egypt to preserve its uh, role in the United States, and Israel is a way to do it. Also, by the way, uh, fostering uh, openness towards Judaism uh, in Egypt, maybe even a, a renovation of some uh, synagogues and cemeteries that we saw during the last years, it's also a way to getting uh, closer to uh, the Jewish lobby and uh, its uh, alleged influence uh, in the American capital. Indeed. Uh, well, uh, Colonel, I'd like to refer the next uh, uh, question to you. Uh, when we're looking at 
Specifically, we spoke already about the energy, but uh, there is quite the unique relationship between Greece, Cyprus, Egypt, Israel, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, we saw this uh, going as far as influencing uh, the situation in uh, Libya, for instance, uh, when uh, we saw the the uh, you know the Tripoli government fight against uh, Haftar in, in the east, which was backed, of course, by uh, the the mentioned group. Of course, the Russian involvement there has drawn the Americans to the Turkish side. But of course, since then, uh, many developments occurred. Uh, Turkey is now trying to improve its relations also with uh, Egypt uh, after the meeting at uh, uh, the football field in Qatar between Abdel Fattah al-Sisi and, um, and uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Uh, we saw the statement coming out by uh, President Sisi and uh, uh, much of this, uh, from what at least I hear uh, behind the scenes, has also to do with uh, Israeli involvement, uh, trying to uh, mediate to a certain degree, uh, albeit a secondary role, but still uh, quite a significant one. Uh, to what degree are we seeing the the various shifts on the geopolitical field um, trigger deeper cooperation between the two countries uh, at a time when, of course, we are about to have a new government here in Jerusalem with members of government who are going to be problematic, also in the eyes of Cairo. And this might, uh, of course, trigger crises, uh, which we are yet to know to what degree are they going to harm these relations. Well, it's interesting. I think many times as Israelis, we look around us and we speak of the instability of others uh, and regimes rising and falling when we ourselves, even as a democracy, we're very, very dynamic. Look what's happening uh, in, in this uh, change of government right now. And certainly this impacts Israel and the region. Israel's policies will change. Some say that there's concern in the region. Some say there's fear in the region. That's interesting in itself. Now, what's interesting to me looking in the Middle East is how dynamic things are. One might think that we are long-time nations with clear strategic long-term objectives. Why would things be so dynamic? Is it just like the war between Russia and Ukraine? No, it's more than that. It's that countries continuously calculate their interests, realign themselves. There's, a, there's, there's different concerns at different times, but also a different understanding of how the world works. I see more alliances, more cooperations. It goes, by the way, from the United States. The superpower of the world now understands it can never act alone. It needs coalition, it needs support, it needs back channels. So you see how people are always realigning themselves and calculating what to do. Even us in Israeli eyes, we, you, we're used to looking at things of black and white, good and bad, and Qatar, for instance, and the place that Qatar plays few years ago, we would speak to them as sponsors of Hamas, like Qatar, the bad guys. Suddenly they're aligned with Egypt. You see the warming of relations there. No longer Egypt and Qatar competing on who is the custodian of, of uh, the Gaza Strip, but in a way working together, right? Uh, and uh, I, I think it's interesting for us to see how we play into this. And since the real trends are positive, because really look at this on the ground, most of us want the same thing from UAE, right, to Egypt, regional players that you also mentioned, Turkey, also Turkey, huge shift in their interests and the way they're aligning with us. Right now, to me, this seems like a positive trend of all working together, when still we can't forget that the negative elements are there. Hamas are not going to shift, Iran is not going to shift, and a lot of what we're talking about now is how these entities are aligning themselves 
to counter the Iranian threat. And that is not going anywhere because they do have a long strategic goal, which for us is very negative. Mr. Owen? Um, Egypt, uh, under President Sadat, uh, when it moved into the American orbit, also changed uh, its relationship vis-a-vis uh, -vis Iran. And um, in 1980, when uh, the Americans uh, wanted to uh, release the hostages in the uh, U.S. Embassy in Tehran, they took off uh, from Ras Banas, from, from Egypt. And um, the realignment that Reuven Ben Shalom just spoke about also has to do with Israel being moved from Yukon to Centcom. Now that Israel and Egypt are under the same area of responsibility in the U.S. Um, command delineation, it makes for better cooperation between Americans, Jordanians, Israelis, Egyptians in the Red Sea and in the various choke points, um, the Suez Canal, of course, when people talk about supply chain problems, uh, just imagine uh, what uh, could happen if terrorists or, or other uh, malignant actors got their hands on various uh, uh, posts along the route from the Far East uh, through Bab el-Mandeb. We have the problems in Yemen with the Houthis uh, at Hodeida Airport and other places. So uh, the Egyptian-Israeli-American cooperation is the basis, and you can add the Jordanians to it, is the basis for regional security in the Eastern Mediterranean and in the Red Sea. And not only military security or, or defense security, but also food security. When we're talking about uh, uh, energy security, food security, we see the tripartite meetings between Egypt, Jordan, uh, and Iraq. Uh, they have uh, quite the unique relationship there. But uh, Dr. Winter, uh, Egypt is not only concerned by the Middle East uh, uh, heading eastward, but also uh, it is a North African state. Uh, ultimately, it has its own considerations vis-a-vis -vis Sudan, vis-a-vis -vis, uh, Ethiopia in particular, with the whole situation with the dam and, and everything that has to do with that. Uh, to what degree is, is the Egyptian angle here aligned with that of Israel, considering Israel's own strategic interests vis-a-vis uh, -vis Ethiopia and also, uh, its unique relationship that obviously with much of Egypt's health uh, or help at the time uh, provided for uh, the, the new unique uh, normalization, if you will, even though it is, of course, in, always in question uh, with uh, the North Sudanese. Yes, when we speak about uh, Ethiopia, it's interesting we, we spoke about the ambivalence in the Egyptian position towards uh, Israel, which is part of the Cold Peace. We see sometimes, uh, uh, you know, some conspiracies in the Egyptian media, according to which Israel uh, supports uh, Ethiopia against uh, Egypt and may uh, harm Egyptian uh, rights in its uh, water from the Nile. At the same time, we know there were some publications that Egyptians uh, officials approached their Israeli counterparts and asked for an Israeli mediation with Ethiopia Israel uh, so far refrained from uh, uh, being involved in this conflict. The United States uh, failed, so why should we think that Israel could uh, succeed uh, where uh, United States failed? Yet Egypt believes in uh, diplomacy and following the last uh, Sharm el-Sheikh 
climate change uh, conference, uh, there are some hopes for uh, resuming the talks between uh, Cairo and Addis Ababa on this regard. Of course, Egypt and Israel may cooperate in many fields like uh, food security, water security, uh, not only energy. When we speak about uh, you know environmental issues, there are uh, Israeli technologies, Israeli knowledge. We share the same space. Uh, so uh, there is a lot of potential for much more collaborations between both sides, which still are not uh, uh, exhausted uh, to their uh, uh, potential. Indeed, and of course, in the State of the Union of uh, Ursula von der Leyen earlier this year, we heard her speak about uh, substantive uh, investment in uh, various types of forms, uh, especially solar forms, uh, to be uh, implemented on Egyptian soil, uh, something that we are expected to see with uh, uh, roughly a trillion euro uh, budget, uh, which is going to be quite substantive. Uh, Colonel uh, uh, Ben Shalom, I'd like to uh, hear more of uh, the military angle, considering we don't have very much time left. Uh, of course, uh, Egypt has been battling Wilayat uh, Sina, uh, or at least the remnants thereof, uh, the, the Islamic State, and, and uh, which technically is uh, <clears throat> one angle of several tribes that have uh, uh, differentiated themselves from the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, or Ansar Bet al-Maqdis, what it used to be called, uh, which uh, seems to change its name every several years uh, uh, in such a cycle. Is Israel, of course, uh, according to various reports, uh, which indicates that we are involved, at least uh, uh, actively involved in aerial operations with Egyptians. Uh, is Israel being very cautious in its approach there, uh, considering the fact that, of course, the, the um, uh, relations or the dynamic there is, is very critical also from a defensive perspective from Israeli national defense? Well, first, internally for Egypt, I think they calculated as a historic mistake maybe, leaving the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years in this undergoverned state and enabling actually, uh, you know, ISIS and these terror elements to flourish has to do with the sentiments of the Bedouin tribes, etc. And now I think we see a strategic shift as far as the, the, the policy in Egypt, huge investments countering terrorism. So certainly we see that, that effort there. For Israel, of course, it's a great interest. And the only way we know to counter terrorism in these are collaborations, because the terrorists collaborate effectively, cross-border, excellent communication. They throw away, uh, past animosities and do a great job to work together. And we sometimes, democracies and partners, have a hard time to cooperate. So I think this is changing. Uh, we can shorten this discussion because most of these things are, are, are under the radar screen, but they're excellent relations. I know Israel invests great resources and, and, and efforts in order to assist the Egyptians to know what's going on, to thwart attacks and help Egypt stabilize the Sinai Peninsula in general, and especially next to the border and what has to do with the Gaza Strip. So, Just one line what, regarding what you said about uh, eggs and baskets. Camels don't lay eggs. Indeed, well, <laughs> that is a fact, biologically speaking, but maybe woke societies might uh, beg to differ. Um, this is all the time that we have for today. I'd like to thank Dr. Winter, Colonel Ben Shalom, and Mr. Oren for being part of uh, today's panel. I'd like to thank uh, our viewers as well, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. 
For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.